Our sermon today, we're going to look at two passages, excuse me, two verses in one passage of Scripture. There might be some other Scriptures that I will call out, but primarily just in the book of John chapter 4. You might have recalled that we talked about the Samaritan woman just recently. And inside of that passage of Scripture, in that story, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, they talk about worship. And we might have recalled that we talked about the Samaritans worship themselves. They were kind of an outcast group from those that were in Jerusalem. And so they're having a discussion on worship. And Jesus gives a response in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And Jesus is speaking at this point, but the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. As we look at these passages of Scripture and we think about this concept of worship, the three main words that we want to make sure that we have an understanding of, worship, spirit, and truth. To worship in spirit and in truth. When we look behind this word worship, multiple things might come to mind. But if you look at the word, it's this concept of omniscience, not, not omniscience, um, giving reference more or less. You think about in, in the, or, in the uh, old movies, maybe in Asia or in some of the, maybe you saw the, the movie King and I. Or you've seen some of these Asian films or cartoons or something, and there's, there's a king or a, somebody in royalty, and you'll find them bowing down, getting low. And in the king and I, what did the king say? He said that no one's head should be what? Higher than his. I just want you to get that visual in your mind, and when it talks about worship, to worship... It brings this concept of almost lowering yourself to the ground and kissing the ground. It's a very humble position of worship. And we think about that, that concept, that omniscient, I can't use the, I can't think, I can't repeat the right word that's in my mind and I can see it on the page. But you think about that, someone's bowing to a king, or someone's bowing to, someone's coming to the room, or they're getting down on their knees, it's that, that honor, it's that worship, it's that physical position of subservience. So that's what we get this concept of, of worship. Behind this word, it's this kneeling, this almost prostate and we look in the, if we were to look at the Garden of Gethsemane, it says Jesus actually knelt in prayer. 
There's another place that it says in Matthew that he fell on his face. Worship. In spirit. Well, spirit, I think, is, is that more of an emotional and it's a spiritual, right? We kind of feel it this way. I don't think that one's quite the, the biggest leap, that we worship him in spirit. And then the final word there, in, in truth. And if we look at that word, it's, it's in contrast to an illusion. It's a factual. It's in reality. It's to worship him in reality. And I think when we think about that reality concept, we... It's not outside of reality. It's not virtual reality. It's in reality. And if we think about that Jesus knelt, now he didn't kneel all the time. Have you ever went to prayer? Or maybe in you've done something wrong, or when you became a Christian, if you are a Christian, or but there's this feeling of this need to kneel. This is before God. Now, upon earth, you know, we don't generally go around, Christians go around bowing and kneeling to people, but it's this concept of respect. Of respect. In other cultures, they bow out of respect. And so we are to worship in spirit and in truth. And I think there's this concept of it's in reality. It makes me think of the scripture that says, And every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess. And we think about our physical bodies and the role it plays in worship. Do you ever find yourself wanting to kneel in prayer? Did Jesus kneel all the time? Like I said, no. But to kneel in prayer is that you're, the reality of it is you're not only kneeling in spirit, but you're kneeling physically? Some will say, well, it's really the attitude of your heart. It doesn't have anything to do with the physical. It's the attitude of your heart. But the problem when we get into that slippery slope of it's what's in your heart, we start devoiding ourselves between what's physical and what's spiritual. And I believe that would tie us into more of a Gnostic approach, which we've talked about a little bit in the past. We talked about the Nicolaitans. It doesn't matter what you do with your body as long as you're right in your heart, right? But we might forget that Jesus rose bodily. We might forget that we will be in heaven if we're Christians with a spirit floating around. No, we'll have a new body. 
There is a physical aspect, a bodily aspect, that is part of this picture. And we see this ties of the separation of the physical and the emotional or spiritual. And as we look at the Old Testament, we see that, New Testament, I'm sorry, and they talk about, and you read through there, and they talk about sexual immorality and things like that. It's because people were doing things that it's, it's all right in my heart. It doesn't matter what I do with my body, like I just said. Now think about today. It doesn't matter what my physical body is. It's what I think my physical body is. To the point now we've talked about, it's not only whether it's a man or a woman. Now it's on a spectrum. And it's even reaching into people who don't feel like they are of a certain ethnic background. They want to change that. And it's my understanding that there's some that are allowing elementary kids to think they're cats. So if we start separating this physical from the spiritual, we start going down and pulling into the same slope. Now, am I telling you that you need to always kneel in prayer? I am not. But I'm telling you that there seems to be, if we think about the formality of kneeling in front of or changing how we approach something physically, our conduct, not just how we feel, but our conduct, makes me wonder if there, we have slid a little bit. When I say we, I don't mean necessarily people in this room. But in the ch church circles, where we become maybe too casual. If we are to worship God in spirit and truth, there has to be a certain level of awe that's incorporated in that. Granted, it tells us in Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, but the reason we can come boldly is because of the blood of Jesus that died for our sins. So we can come boldly and not be struck down because of our unholiness. But I don't think it means that we come with a lack of respect. And so the question becomes is how do you approach and how do you worship God? God is not just the casual friend. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And we can have that kind of intimate relationship with God, but at certain points, we maybe should be reminded He's God. Maybe I should put a little bit more less casual approach to my relationship with God. Maybe a little more seriousness, 
soberness you might find in the, in the, in the Gospels. Not the Gospels, but in the New Testament. To my activities, to my devotional life, to the way I conduct myself in my private worship. Maybe there's times that it's appropriate for you to kneel before God and think, oh, how great is my God. Maybe there's times in our corporate worship, which we do sometimes, we would kneel. But sometimes, you know, when you want to when someone important comes into the room, what do you do? You, I mean, when the flag goes by at the parade, you all, everybody, you get up out of your chair, your comfortable chair, and what do you do? You, you stand. We stand. We are called to worship, and we're inviting the Holy Spirit to come. But we, maybe we stand in reverence. We don't do it here, maybe we should. Some stand in respect to the reading of God's word. It's in reverence. And sometimes the physical reminds us. Think about how in the Old Testament there was, there was monuments that were set up to let us be reminded. There were things to remind them. So we, we do some things in the church that it, we minds us. We have some structure. This is an important event when we come together to worship God. Now we have some more casual interactions with church bodies. Maybe it's in a small group. But there is time for corporate worship. Now for each of us, that might be slightly different based on our background and where we came from. But the challenge is, is to think about when you come to worship the Lord, are you worshiping? What is that physical thing that you do that signifies to yourself that I'm worshiping? I mean, if we stand for prayer and somebody feels like they need to kneel in their seat and pray, that's what they need to do. But do you approach worship as, hey, I'm going to go go see my, my buddy, which is okay at times, but there needs to be a time, I believe, we go and say, I am going to worship the Lord, the King of Kings. And when... I'm going, and when I get there, I need to remind myself. I think we sang the, the chorus. This was, it's all about you. The song says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. So that's why we do some of the things that we do that is a little bit different than the things that maybe others might choose to do. But I'm challenged with this concept of casual worship. There should be some 
purpose about the worship, something in our attitude and the way we conduct ourselves or the way we carry ourselves. We don't, in our worship time, it's more structured. It's not a teaching time. It would not be appropriate as I'm preaching for someone to ask me a question. Interrupt the whole proceedings. This is a serious time. There's times to be serious, there's times to be a little bit less serious, and we have those places, but we need to reserve the time in our personal, in our corporate, where we take time to be in awe of God, and maybe even physically be in our prayer closet, or whatever it might be, that place that you pray. I know for some, you might have to pray on your way to work. But there's a place that reminds us, I'm setting this apart. This is my time for prayer. This is where I'm at. That's why I like the concept of a sanctuary. It's a place where we come together to worship. It's dedicated for the worship of God. And some will say, well, that's not good stewardship. Okay, it's not good stewardship to set something apart for the worship of God. And it's only used on one day for the worship of God. They're like, well, that's not good stewardship. We need to spend that money all, that money spent for good reason so we can have every activity in there and, and put up the basketball hoops and, and the food tables. So there's no place dedicated for purely worship to God then. No more sanctuaries. We're losing sanctuaries. There's something about this Worship and spirit and truth, it's not just with our heart, it's in our reality, it seems. Jesus knelt. Jesus knelt. Jesus fell on his face. Sometimes we raise our hands, sometimes we kneel, but when we come to worship the Lord, there's praise time and gathering time, but Sometimes what we call worship, I don't know that it's worship. We don't have the fall coming off, as some churches have. We don't have some of the different things that some churches had. We're just not large, but I don't know that I, we need the fog, because this is not a concert. We want to have corporate worship. We sing together in worshiping God. We sing together to worship God. I'd rather have more voices out there that I can hear than I have voices up here. Now, I like a good choir, but people singing together. Concerts are nice, but this is worship. This is worship. So our challenge then, as we come together, come together in a worshipful way. I'm not suggesting that you're doing anything wrong. I'm just suggesting that you be reminded of why you might be doing the things that you're doing. But if the Holy Spirit is telling you that you're doing something wrong, I'm not getting in the way of the Holy Spirit. For some reason, I have to bring this particular message. Even if it's just for me, 
But in our worship of God, I think there's a certain level of danger in being too casual in how we approach our relationship with God. How we approach our worship of God. It shouldn't be for the entertainment value. It's good to have fun. But there's some point, somewhere in the cycle, some point in time, in the week, in the month, in the something, that we worship God. When was the last time that you knelt in prayer to God. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. You worship what you do not know. Verse 22, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. As the Holy Spirit defines what that means to you, in both your heart and how you conduct yourself and how you approach your relationship with Him, may you be obedient. whatever adjustment he's asking you to make. May you be encouraged to continue forward if he's giving you the all clear on this topic. But if he's saying, I would like for you, say, yes, Lord, I will. And then don't just agree in your heart, but follow through in your actions with whatever he's asking you to do. Let's be standing together. Our Father and our God, we come to you with bowed heads. May you help us to open our hearts, to open our minds, to open our spirits, to clearly hear from you how we should process this message. Some of us might need to make adjustments. And for some of us to make adjustments, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to be hounding us that we need to make that adjustment and, and, and to be moving forward. May we worship you in spirit and truth, not just in our heart, not just in our mouth, but in our conduct and how we approach our worship. May it be pleasing in your sight. Teach us today, each one of us. I have some things that I can work on. Maybe there's others that do as well. But Father, we pray to Lord that we might be obedient in what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I would ask that you bow your heads just for a moment.